Chapter Eight of Some Everyday Folk and Dawn by Miles Franklin. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Grandma turns nurse. When I came to, it was dark enough for lights. Dawn's well-moulded hands were supporting my head. Grandma Clay's voice was sternly engineering affairs, and Andrew was blubbering at the foot of the bed on which I was resting. I tried to tell them there was no cause for alarm and to beg grandma's pardon for turning her house into a sick hospital but though not quite unconscious i appeared entirely so i wish you had sense to have gone for dr tinker when dr smalley wasn't in said the old lady with nothing but solicitude in her voice the sternness and evidence when i had been trying to gain entrance to her house was entirely absent i'm afraid she's dead said dawn oh she ain't is she dawn sobbed andrew she was a decent sort of person a pity some of those other old scotty boots that was here in the summer didn't die instead and that cemented a firm friendship between the lad and myself an individual utterly alone in the world prizes above all things a little real affection presently there was a clearance in the room affected by the doctor who after a short examination pronounced my malady a complication of heart troubles gave a few instructions, and further remarked, "'Send up for the mixture. She isn't dead, but she may snuff out before morning. She's bound to go at a moment's notice sometime. Give her plenty of air. If she has any friends, she ought to be sent to them if she pulls through this.' Grandma gave the meagre details she knew concerning me, and as the practitioner, whom I took to be a veterinary surgeon, called in for the emergency, went out, he said, "'If she dies to-night, you can send me word in the morning. That will be soon enough.' and if I don't hear from you, I'll call again tomorrow. "'She ain't going to die if I can stop her,' said Grandma when he had departed. "'I'll bring her to with a poultice. I ain't given to be come flummoxed by what a doctor says. Many a one they give up is walking about as strong as bull beef today. I never seen them do no good in a serious case. They're right enough to set a bone or sew up a cut, but when you come to think of it, what could be expected of them?' They know a little more than us because they've hacked up a few bodies and know how the pieces fit together, but as for knowing what's going on, they ain't the Almighty and ain't to be took notice of. The way they know about the body is the same as you and Carrie know the kitchen, and could go in the dark and feel for anything while all was well, but if anything strange was there you couldn't make it out. And setting to work, brewing potions and applying remedies of her own, the practical old lady soon brought me around so that I was able to make my apologies. "'Good heavens! What do you take us for?' she exclaimed. "'It would be a fine kind of a world if we wasn't a little considerate to each other. "'It does the young people good to learn em a little kindness. "'I couldn't be asking people like Carrie there to wait on people, "'but it's Dawn's week in the house, and she'll look after you. "'And you needn't be wanting to clear out to the hospital. "'You won't be no better looked after there than here.' "'Never was more tactful kindness on shorter acquaintance.' Little Miss Flip undertook to sit by my bed during the early watches of the night, for they could not be persuaded to leave me alone. Her eyes bore evidence of many more sleepless watches, but the poor little thing did not unburden her heart to me. Dawn appeared to relieve her at 2 a.m., and the engaging child manfully struggled against the sleep that leadened the pretty blue eyes till morning, when Grandma, brisk as a cricket, took her turn. At 11 I was interested by the doctor's entrance, he came on tiptoe, but like a great proportion of male tiptoeing, it defeated its intention, and made more noise than walking. Bearing down upon Grandma, he inquired in a huge whisper, "'How is she?' 
At this juncture I opened my eyes, so he cheerfully remarked in a strong twang known by some supercilious English as the beastly colonial accent, "'So you didn't peg out after all.' This being the language applied to stock confirmed in me the notion that he was a veterinary. I had once before heard it applied to a human being in a far bush place, where a man who lived unhappily with his wife one morning remarked to a neighbour that, "'The missus nearly pegged out last night,' and it was considered a fitting remark for such a monster as this man was supposed to have been, but this doctor said it quite naturally. I found him a friendly and communicative fellow, and as he gave in an hour's gossip with Grandma and me for one fee, I was willing to take it to pass away a dull morning. "'What on earth did you go rowing for?' he asked me. "'The roads are too bad to go walking.' "'That's only within range of the municipality. The council wants bursting up. They can't do anything with everything mortgaged to old Dr. Tinker. He holds the whole thing. It's a pity he wouldn't peg out one of these nights, and we might get something done. But it's not him who has the money, it's the old woman. That's her Mrs. Bray was telling us walloped the girl for being admired by the old doctor, explained Grandma. Money, that's what he married her for, continued the doctor. I don't know where he could have picked her up. Some say she's a publican's widow, but Jackson, the solicitor here, has a different hypothesis. He says he's seen her running along, carrying five cups and saucers of tea at once, and no one but a ship's waitress could do that. At any rate, she's a great man of a woman, can swear like a trooper if things don't go right. She's got the old man completely cowed. Am I to infer that cowing her spouse and swearing outrageously makes her man-like? I laconically inquired. But the doctor's understanding didn't seem to go in for small satirical detail. He conversed on a more wholesale fashion, rattling on for a good half-hour to a patient for whom quietude was necessary, lest she should peg out. "'Ain't he a bosker?' enthusiastically commented Andrew, coming in to see what I had thought of this doctor, who was the idol of the noon. "'Has he a large practice?' I cautiously inquired, seeking to discover was he really a doctor. "'My word! Nearly all the people go to him. He's so friendly and don't stick on the jam. Speaks to you everywhere, and has jokes about everything.' "'He's a fine man,' corroborated Grandma. "'Yes. Must be more than six feet high,' I responded. "'And such a gentleman. He's never above having a yarn with you about anything and everything.' "'Oh, well,' I said. "'Any time I take these turns, just send for him.' One doctor was as harmless as another to me. I knew it would relieve the household to have a medico, and he could not injure me, seeing I accorded his medicine and advice about as much deference as the hum of a mosquito. "'Is he a family man?' I asked. "'Yes. So there are all your chances, gone in one slap,' said Carrie, appearing to inquire my state. I did not tell her there was the most insuperable of all barriers in the way of my marrying anyone, and that I had no desire if I could. The first I did not want known, and the second would not be believed if it were, because, though woman is somewhat escaping from her shackles, the skin of old crawl subjection still clings sufficiently tight for it to be beyond ordinary belief that one could be other than constantly on the lookout to secure a berth by appending herself to some man, and more especially does this suspicion hang over a spinster with her hair as grey as mine and who takes up a position at a boarding-house which is supposed to be the common hunting-ground of women forced on to the matrimonial warpath. 
he has seven little children and one's a baby and his wife is a poor broken-down little thing near always in the hospital you'd wonder how he married her he's such a fine-looking man vouchsafed andrew such a fine man that you'd wonder concerning several other patent facts about him i responded there was quite a chorus in favour of him now he was evidently a true gentleman in his patient's eyes because he was not above stopping to talk to them in their own vernacular about local gossip and had the reputation of great good nature in regard to the bills of the poor and they loved his jokes they were of the class within grasp of the elementary sense of humour of his audience this type of gentleman he undoubtedly was but to that possessed of graceful tact and expressing itself in good diction by some considered necessary attributes of a gentleman he could lay no claim neither could he to that ideal enshrined in my heart who would not have had seven little children one of them a baby and a poor little broken-down wife at the same time but as to what is really a gentleman depends on the attitude of the mind End of chapter eight